Hello, a very good evening to you. Welcome to the locker room here on Indie Life Radio, the number one sports show. Fun enough, looking at sport. Um, <clears throat> I'm going tonight by my wonderful partner in crime, Matthew. How's it going, Matthew? I'm okay. I'm recovering from a, a interesting night in football. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, and saying that, we better just dive right in at the deep end. Coming up tonight, we've got news on rugby. We've got uh, news on the women's uh, national team. They've got a big uh, game tonight um, against Portugal. More news on that coming up. And also, we've got a couple of resignations as well. Gary Holt and Leanne Dempska, but we'll get into them later on. Right, so let's start uh, last night's games, Matthew. Uh, Rangers um, against Benfica, we'll speak about that in a minute or two. But the, the first game was, uh, was on last night. Celtic, and I don't know about you, but it's been a, a, um, a kind of like recurring theme on the show so far this year. Very disappointing. Do you, do you think there's an irony for Celtic and Neil Lennon that it's Black Friday today? <laughs> well, yeah, could be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because it's de- it was definitely Black Thursday yesterday and maybe uh, Black Friday today because, I mean, Neil Lennon's job is online um, terribly. Uh, I mean, Celtic yesterday... Uh, uh, I mean, we could rewind the show to last week or the way back to the start of the season because these things are the... Same sort of things, like you said, that are recurring again and again. Um, I mean, they restored El Hamid last night. Julian was back. So uh, their defence looked, well, it looked as good as it was going to look, considering the way it's been all season. And then, But the new back four obviously continued to do the same things that the defence has done all year. They struggled from open play. They struggled from set pieces. Uh, Sparta took advantage um, the exact same way, and I mean the exact same way that they done when they won 4-1 in Glasgow last time. Uh, Celtic just are completely lacking up top. They look, uh, they lack ideas. I wouldn't thought I'd ever say this, but James Forrest's continued absence is making Celtic look slow, mm-hmm. uh, pondersome. They don't know how to get behind teams. They're quite happy playing in front of teams which Sparta Prague were happy to let Celtic play that way all night. Um, and, it, you know, the first half, it started positively, you know, I thought, but mm-hmm. the, the way it's done probably all season, it started positive. I mean, I mean, the thing I say, when you saw that, that team last night, when the team came, came out, uh, you're thinking, that, that could be a good team, that could be quite a strong team, and... A lot of Celtic fans were happy to see Julian back in the team and, and all that. But when the game started, it was mm, it was the same old Celtic again that we we, we get to see more more often than, than not at the yeah. moment. And Odd, I, it's not like um when we when we go a go up. Um, sorry, when um, Celtic goes a goal up, we actually, you know, played played well for a few minutes, and then Sparta Prague equalised, and then so I think to me that all the other team who Celtic has playing needs to score before Celtic ups the game a wee bit. Yeah, I mean, there doesn't seem to be. I mean, that seems to be the way it goes in the league, that, you know, if the other team scores, Celtic then finally wake up from their shell and seem to try and play for a while. But there doesn't seem to be any consistency with this. And, you know, when Edward scored, I kind of thought, I didn't think at any point we were going to win. I mean, even when Edward scored and things looked positive, you were just kind of waiting for the inevitable collapse that was going to come. And right enough, it did come. Um, I thought Sparta Prague let Celtic play a lot of the time, especially in the second half. I thought Sparta Prague were quite happy to let Celtic play in front of them, pass the ball around, um, keep possession, because they were waiting on one thing and one thing only. They were waiting on Celtic eventually giving the ball away and Sparta Prague being able to counter-attack at pace and Celtic not being able to handle that. And right enough, they did do that. Um, 
the first goal that Celtic conceded was an absolute joke after Scott Brown didn't clear his lines somehow. Yeah, and, thought, yeah. And then there was a mishit shot, but I don't know about you, there was a mishit shot that went into nearly the six y- the centre of the six-yard box. There wasn't one Celtic player near three Sparta Prague players. I mean, the guy that eventually put it in the bo- put it in the back of the net, there was another two guys behind him, still completely free, waiting to score that goal. Um, how they defended that poorly, I'll never know. And then the yeah. second goal was even more schoolboyish. Boy- I, mean, I mean, there was a low cross into the box that seemed quite slow, but nobody in the defence wanted to deal with it. Scott Bain didn't want to deal with it. It sort of trickled by uh, the defence and the goalkeeper and Sparta Prague scored the second. And then from that on, yeah, I kind, you kind of thought, well, this is just going to go one way. And right enough, you know, the second half Celtic played okay. They had a lot of possession without doing anything with it. Uh, they had a lot of passing sideways, no penetration. And like I said, I thought Sparta Prague were just waiting to open us up. And eventually they did open us up. Uh, and, you know, it's just the same old kind of stuff from Celtic. It's it's, it's and, not good enough. And I mean, it's, it was the same. It was um, what you would say it was a carbon copy of the first game in Glasgow because Celtic played well that night uh, up until they scored. And then. You know, I think it was before half time they scored that game, and then after then it was backs to the wall. Yeah, I mean, consider, you know, it's not even just the Sparta Prague game. If you think about Cluj, mm-hmm. if you think about Copenhagen, if you think about Henrik Varos, it's the same mistakes getting made, it's the same thing. And Neil Lennon, I mean, he said previously, I think, that he doesn't think there's there's a reason to look back on tape and try and tactically figure these things out well if he looked back at, on tape away back last season at Copenhagen if he looked back at tape away back at, against Cluj and if he looked back at tape away back in like Fedek Varos or like you say Sparta Prague he would have seen mm. what the problems are and tried to fix it now I mean I've said that Celtic should play uh, a sort of 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2 formation and there's a reason for that and the reason is the wing back the, the full backs or wing backs that Celtic have like to push forward you might as well have three centre-backs at the back trying to deal with them too because when they play this 4-2-3-1 formation that they like to play, you know, the full-backs are pushing on too. So when teams like Sparta Prague attack at pace, there's basically only two players at the back. And then you saw when Bain had to come out, there was the goal, obviously, that he came out and fluffed his lines. But there was a moment just before the, the fourth goal when he did the exact same thing. And I think it's because he has to try and then be a sort of default sweeper because Celtic have so little at the back to deal with these counter-attacks. The whole thing is just a mess. And if Neil Lennon isn't learning, and I don't think he is learning, then I think there has to be a point that we have to say enough is enough. And I have a wee stat for you because I know that a lot of people are saying that Celtic fans are going a bit over the top and, you know, um, the Green Brigade with their banner this week has went over the top and to some extent maybe they are going a bit over the top but just a stat to throw out for you. Tony Mowbray's last nine games before he was sacked for Celtic, he Mm. won six, drew one and lost two of those games with a goal difference of plus six. Now, Neil Lennon's last nine games for Celtic at the moment is one, two, drew three, lost four, goal difference of minus five. Um, ah, right, okay, if, so Tony Mowbray's got a better record than Neil Lennon. Well, before he was sacked, he mm. has a better record now. Well, does that, if you're an old firm, man, if you're an old firm mm. manager, you, you take 10 in a row out of the equation, you take everything out of the equation about this year, you take any personality out of the equation with Neil Lennon. If you have an old firm manager with a 1-2, Drew 3, lost 4 record in the last nine games, what do you think? Crisis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, good, good, good. Come back to that um, Glen Gig fiasco um, at Selkirk Park. I, I've spoke to you about these things kind of off air, um, but obviously, <laughs> let's speak a bit on air. Um, <laughs> but um, I felt if I was a Selkirk fan, I would be embarrassed, and if I was a Selkirk fan. I would be speaking to Peter Lawwell to say, you know, the Green Brigade does add a bit of colour into Selkie Park when they play games at home, especially the European nights and all that. 
but you know it's supporting your team and they're supporting your team and they're they're going through a difficult spell at the moment um, but they don't have to do that also they actually I don't know about you here but they actually playing into the newspaper's hands because when you picked up the papers yesterday morning, uh, yesterday morning, I was all over the back pages. Yeah, I mean, it, it made it made headlines, and I think that's exactly what the the Green Brigade were after. Um, uh, but I think you can protest in maybe different ways. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's a frustrating thing because I think. I can see where that point has come from because obviously Celtic aren't, and on, on the face of it, Celtic aren't in a major crisis like maybe Celtic were in the 1990s when they were nearly going bankrupt. So they're not in that sort of crisis. So then you think, well, is it worthwhile sort of going to the extent of going to Celtic Park during the pandemic and having a, a sort of banner put up while people are obviously at risk of COVID? So you've got that side of it. On the other side of it, you have a board, I think, that are pretty unwilling to listen to supporters. Um, don't look in a mad rush to sack Neil Lennon for whatever reason, um, mm. considering how poor the form has been. And, and like we said with the Tony Mowbray stats, you know, it is sackable, sackable form, even out with 10 in a row, because obviously Tony Mowbray wasn't in a 10 in a row situation, but he was sacked for that form. Neil Lennon has got that form. Um Peter Lawwell, I think, is, is at a root of a lot of these problems. I think, you know, since Peter Lawwell's came in, Celtic as a club, I mean, I, I think they're beyond the 10 in a row thing. I have to say, I think Celtic as a, as a club really should be looking at the European stage as a, sta- as a stage to play on, not just domestically. And since Peter Lawwell's came in, he's nearly made poor decision after poor decision after poor decision. And Celtic have went from a side to relatively do compete in Europe to a team now that can't even, you know, play against a team like Sparta Prague. You know, Celtic, since 2009-2010, I know Lawwell came in maybe, was it just after the uh, Martin O'Neill sort of UEFA Cup run sort of time. Since, but since it was rebranded, the Europa League, Celtic have won just two of 24 away games in U, in the Europa League. Um, two? The vo- Did yeah, you say two? Yeah. Two out of 24 away games. Oh, uh, you know, and you know they're yet to win this year, um, but yeah, the two of the last twenty-four games, the other ones have been drew eleven, lost eleven in the secondary competition in Europe, not the first one, the secondary competition. And I think that shows that I think to me, Lawwell's quite happy with Celtic getting into Europe, getting the money for maybe getting into the group stages. He doesn't care whether Celtic progress or not. Really, after that, he's just happy to get into it. And domestically, he's happy if Celtic wipe the floor of everybody else, which they've been doing. But it has resulted in a clear drop in our standards. I mean, we were talking about even a, a Gordon Strachan team. I mean, I think um, recently it was the anniversary of, was it 2006, Celtic played Manchester United in a Champions League qualifier. And Man United and Celtic obviously won that game with an absolute spectacular goal from Nakamura. Mm-hmm. Um, and they qualified yeah. for the last 16. Now, that was just sort of at the start-ish of Lowell's reign. And you look at the difference between that team and this team, and it's poles apart. Mm. Yeah, he got lucky. A, with, yeah, that's I mean, a good point. Yeah, I, you know, he's got lucky a few times. Brendan Rodgers was looking for a stepping stone. It obviously became mm. that. And he got lucky a few times. But before that, you know, you had Neil Lennon the first time, who kind of got lucky with the demise of Rangers at that point. You had Ronnie Dyla, who came in and was very lucky that there was no Rangers challenging him at that point. Then he got lucky with Rodgers, but then Neil Lennon's came back and it's just been a complete disaster. So I think really there comes a point when Celtic now have to decide, are they a team that really doesn't care about the big stage that Celtic should be competing on in Europe? Mm. And do they just care about domestic football? Or are they really going to become and stay the giants that they are in the world game? And, you know, under Lawwell as a whole, there doesn't seem to be much evidence that Celtic are going to be up there competing with any European greats. And in I the mean, league, yeah. I don't think it's, you know, the league obviously take care of itself. You're going to be in the top two, but it's yeah. just, it's not I good mean, enough. I mean, I, I remember years ago, um, Celtic Park, um, back in the days before Brendan Rodgers, and in fact, I think it was Neil Lennon's first spell, I can't remember, and um, Celtic won the Champions League, and teams were 
like Barcelona, Inter Milan, EC Milan, Juventus, teams like big teams, and they they were offered they were offered fear, fearful coming to Celtic Park because uh, they they don't they, they, they you know they they the whole kind of atmosphere and all that and nine teams out of ten Celtic would win the game two 0 three two or whatever but it's it's totally different now teams can come to Celtic Park and be confident to win the game and that's not like. You know, that's not like Celtic of old, you know. Yeah, and these aren't even teams that are like, like you were talking about some of the great games that you remember at Celtic Park, you know, the Barcelona's, the AC Milan's in the last 16, uh, the Manchester United games. Even before that, obviously, when Martin O'Neill was there, you know, your Juventuses, um, your, you know, when they went down to the UEFA Cup, though, you were playing your Blackburns, your Liverpools, your Barcelona's again. These are your Sparta Prags, your Perrin Barroses, mm, yeah. you know, your Kluges. I mean, these, yeah. these these teams are coming to Celtic Park and competing. And not only competing, they look better than Celtic. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, every, I think the Green Brigade, to get back to your point, I think the Green Brigade kind of feel maybe more a bit more boisterously than your normal fan. But I think they feel that their voices and the fans' voices are not being listened to. So therefore, they have to do something a bit more extreme than you would think. And, and the mean, banner I, was the... the and result. I mean, I do think it's, um, you know, not sticking up for the Green Brigade here, but I do think it's more frustration because the fans are not getting allowed in to see Celtic playing. And if the fans are allowed in, believe you me, that the team would know about it. But because <laughs> that there's no any movement on like like the government saying that or football uh, fans are allowed then to to football teams can see see their teams. And then top of that circuit's playing woeful football at times. So but I mean I'm not sticking up for the Green Big Egg. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is maybe the fans are a bit frustrated because their team is not playing well and B also that they kinda get in to see their team. Yeah, and you, I mean, I, I mean, being honest, I think that that banner, I think, would have been up at Celtic Park if we were allowed in the mm. games a lot sooner than it was in person recently. I think it would have been up a month ago, maybe even mm. longer than that. I think because I, I honestly think that watching Celtic, these problems aren't just happening now. These problems were quite clear. I think last season. I mean, I know Celtic won the league. I know Celtic went on a good run, and people might think, "Oh goodness, you're you're being about." Uh, over the top because Celtic still won things, but I think mm. the seeds, the seeds of this season were there mm. last year, um, and it's just continued. And it was clear as day against Ferenc Baros where Celtic were going, and it's mm. just continued. But you know, Celtic are having an AGM coming up soon. Mm. Not so. Not only can fans not protest that games, like you said, which is a, a, I think, a good point, and it resulted in what the Green Brigade did. But normally, you would have a chance to voice your opinions at the AGM that's coming up. Now, the AGM's coming up in, what, a couple of weeks' time, and the only way you can ask questions to the board are by emailing them in in advance. How many of the board, or how many questions that are ask, actually asking pertinent questions will be chosen to be asked by Peter Lawwell, or mm. will it be the usual, oh, yes, the board have done well, yes, they've won another treble, yes, things are going well, Neil Lennon will turn it around, blah, blah, blah. Real questions need to be asked, and the AGM is now not going to be that platform to ask these questions. So, therefore, the Green Brigade have done what they were, what they, what they did, and whether it's right or wrong, I can see why they've done it. Okay, um, come coming back to Celtic in a wee minute. Then I was speaking about the cup games this weekend, but uh, speaking about Rangers last night, there just about home, uh, home and horse, you would say qualifying for the. And that friend of the European, uh, the Europa Cup, two each against Benfica at home. And that's not bad going, Matthew, because when you look at the two games back to back, they've actually took four points off Benfica. I mean, Rangers, I, I mean, it's always easier to talk about teams that are doing bad in true Scottish fashion. We do like a moan, so it's almost like we enjoy moaning about things. And, but Rangers are the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rangers are the complete opposite. I mean, Rangers, yeah. 
will have to wait a little bit longer to confirm the Europa League last 32 qualification for the second successive season. But give or take, they've basically done it. Um, they, they look on course to, to qualify, and I think they'll do it um, next week. Basically, they looked on course to see what victory last night. I mean, I thought, you know, 2-0 up. Uh, Rangers looked in complete control. They looked calm. They looked composed. Um, however, for the, for the second time, Again, this kind of game mirrored what Celtic done. The <laughs> exact same thing happened. There was two late sucker punches from Ben Vika um, that, that, that drew the game 2-2. And it means both Ben Vika and Rangers are currently on eight points. But, you know, let Poznan, who are third, are on four. So there's a four-point gap. Um, and Rangers and Ben Vika do look good to qualify from this group. And to be fair, I think Ben Vika are Champions League standard. Mm-hmm. And Rangers haven't looked out of place competing against teams or Benfica I haven't looked out of place against Benfica over the last two games so even though I draw it'll be, it'll be disappointing looking back on the last two games in the sense that Rangers could have and maybe should have won at least one if not both of them but to come away from Portugal with a draw and then come away from, from you know Ibrox with a draw last night oh, I think sorry. there's a lot of positives Right okay it's my fault Matthew because I think Rangers kicked four points at the last two games, so apology for anybody getting <laughs> listening. Uh, two points for I and uh, and it's not bad going, Matthew. No, I mean I, I think like I said they looked good. You know, Arfield opened the scoring quite early on. In fact, we were talking about the show last night when Arfield scored the first goal yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> within seven minutes. Um, so it just continued in that line. You know, Rangers could have um, scored again. Uh, Benfica did have a lot of possession. I'll give them that, but uh, which is something maybe Rangers aren't used to. But they kind of they, they kind of adapted into that style of maybe not being able to have a lot of possession and did look threatening when they were countering. Um, you know, there was another three shots on target. Kent looked pretty dangerous for most of the game. Um, Benfica had one or two chances, but like I said, I think um, even though Benfica had a lot of the ball, they didn't really maybe test McGregor as much as as much as they should have. Rangers looked comfortable. They, they made it 2-0 um, in the second half. I think it was the 69th minute, 70th minute. Um, Rangers scored again to make it 2-0. And at that point, I did think that they would go on and win it. Um, but, the, the, you know, Benfica did score then 10 minutes after that. They went on then to obviously make the game a bit nervy, um, which eventually cost Rangers and equalised. Um, but then I think, was it Morelos maybe had the chance just... Before mm-hmm. Benfica equalised to make it 3-1, the ball hit the bar. Uh, but yeah, Benfica did score. And re- like I said, Rangers will be disappointed to settle for a point. But Benfica proved that they were a really quality outfit in this game. And Rangers really shouldn't be disappointed. And they will they will go on to qualify because I think they will win their next two games in this competition. So I think Benfica and Rangers will qualify from this group. And I have nothing but praise for them. They, they look... They look like champions in Scotland. They, mm-hmm. they, do. they look a really good side. Okay, let's move on now. Um, coming back to speak about the old from in a minute or two, but let's look at the League Cup games this weekend. Betfleg, Betfleg Cup games. And there's some interesting games tomorrow. Give one through them for you now. Arrow against Hearts. Arlov is at home to um, Gunfermon, who managed to get a good win last week against Hearts. Um, it's the same game as two weeks ago at East Garog. Hibs against Dundee, Levinskin against Air United, Motherwell against Johnson. Again, they played last week in the league uh, up at McDermott Park, but this game's at Firth Park this week. Uh, tomorrow night is uh, St Mirren and Aberdeen. That looks not a bad game as well. Sunday, um, Celtic Park would be the Celtic against uh, Ross County. And also we have Falkirk against Rangers. So I was going to start speaking about the Hibs game this week, Matthew, because even though they get a decent point against Celtic, and they should have won that game last week, but there was news coming out yesterday, was it, about Leanne Dempster, the chief executive of Hibs, has resigned. Yeah, I mean, that Celtic game, again, I think, you know, looking back at it, Hibs should have won that game. I thought I thought Hibs played that absolutely magnificently. And 
when they went 2-0 up, I thought there was no way back for Celtic because Celtic were poor, Hibs were dominant. Um, and Hibs could have finished the game. I mean, they could have scored a third or fourth. It wasn't, it wasn't like they, they finished it too. They could have easily scored a third or a fourth goal. Um, Celtic got lucky with that draw, and I think Hibs came away a bit disappointed with that. Um, and then obviously Hibs went on to then draw with St. Johnson. Um, was it on Tuesday night they played St. Johnson? They had the chance yeah. to go third, um, and they drew with St. Johnson then. So they've had a they've had a bit of a. A bit of an up and down week, and I think it just culminated in what happened last night when the news broke about Leanne Dempster uh, resigning as chief executive. But you know, unlike Donald Trump, uh, she has said that she'll stay to ensure a smooth transition between her and whoever will take over that sort of role. So um, she she is looking ahead, and she has got the Hibs sort of best interest at heart. Um, she came, you know, to to Hibs in two thousand and fourteen. She, I don't know if you remember, but she was the Motherwell um, chief executive, mm-hmm. and she was um, really influential in Motherwell trying to, and eventually, you know, near enough becoming, and they're in the process of doing it, becoming a fan run club. And when they when she came to Edinburgh, I think the thing was for Leanne Dempster was a similar sort of remit. You know, Hibs at the time were hoping to have a sort of fan-run um, organisation set up, which eventually it was, and High Burning Supporters Limited, that was set up. Hibs were on course to become a sort of fan-owned club, and things were looking positive again, and Dempster was a big, big part of that, a very positive part of it. Uh, but obviously what happened was Ron Gordon, the American, last year um, came in, took over the club, uh, the fan run initiative was closed off because Gordon didn't want any more, or the fan didn't want the fans to have any further say in his investment. And really, Dempster became from from the outside in. Dempster became a woman who could make decisions and was very powerful and could come up with new ideas. She sort of became a yes, Gordon, no Gordon type figure. When you know Ron Gordon would come up with ideas, she would implement it rather than create the ideas. So. I think there was always a point when she would leave the club because she didn't want to be that. She's, I think she's a lot more ambitious than that and she's shown that she can be. So the time was right, I think, for her to move on. But uh, it's, a, it's a real shame because, you know, since she's joined Hibs, you know, they got promoted back to the Premiership in 2014. Uh, they, they've obviously stabilised their top flight status. They won the Scottish Cup for the first time in 114 years. Uh so she's had the very, and like I said, she did set up the the, uh, the fans organisation that would have taken over Hibs eventually until Ron Gordon took over. She's been a really good influence for Hibs. And uh, for me, I, I have nothing but praise for her. And whoever she goes to next, whether it's a football club or whether it's another company or whatever, are going to find a really decent human being, first and foremost, but very impressive chief executive. So for Hibs, it's a shame, I think. Um, it's a shame she's going. Hibs move on. Leanne Dempster moves on, and uh, after a very successful time, good luck to her. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, um, it's a gig well, and I suppose um, <clears throat> from a, a, an Ecorakis point of view, it's good to see a w- woman in football likes of the uh, Anne Dempsey was at Hibs, but you've got Anne Bugs at Hearts as well, and. Uh, you know, it's good to see women in, in football, not just the chairman, and you know, like and and, and all that. Let's speak about one of well, the other. You know, yeah, and just quickly, you know, I, I met Leanne Dempster when she was at Motherwell, um, and she's she's a fascinating person to listen to um, about her ideas about where where ownership of football clubs should be. You know, like I said, it was successful. The model at Motherwell, Hibs nearly got there to have final ownership. Um, you know, she she's she's a very good chief executive. She's got the fans' heart first and foremost in everything she does. And um, like I said, she's 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 going to be missed at Easter Road. Definitely going to be missed at Easter Road. And um, yeah, it's, it's sad she's gone. But uh, everybody moves on. And Ron Gordon's got his own ideas for for Hibs, um, and they're very impressive. Don't get me wrong. I think I think Hibs will only move onward and upwards. But Leanne Dempster had a very important role at the tail end of the last regime's control um, and she had a good transition between the previous regime and Ron Gordon and I think Ron Gordon wanted her to stay actually but I think it was her decision to move on because she thought it was ready for a new challenge and fair play to her. 
Yeah, good, good, good luck. Careful what Rashid does in the future, and I hope she'll be back in football or, or whatever. Let's speak about one of the other big issues of the week, Matthew. Again, this broke yesterday, and it surprised me a wee bit. Well, it didn't, it didn't. Uh, Livingston has got a cup game this weekend at home to AI United, but <laughs> no get a manager um, because Gary Holt has resigned just after 27 games it makes me kind of laugh doesn't it a wee bit like, mm. that, that to me was a shock as well it, I mean it wasn't a shock because like I mean like you say it's one of those hot and cold ones because I know you're about to say the results weren't great and that was why maybe it wasn't a shock yes yeah um, I mean Livingston were 10th in the Scottish Premiership they've only taken what a point from the last five games um, which is probably kind of similar to Neil Lennon's record and uh, Gary Holt's gone, so I'm doing it. <laughs> but I will leave it at that. Um, I mean, Holt hmm. is kind of considering his future anyway at Livingston after the loss to St Mirren. Um, and, you know, it's, it was a tough one, but, you know, Livingston were pretty poor. You know, 2018 when he took over, Kenny Miller was the manager. Do you remember that? And yep. Livingston was atrocious. I mean, Kenny Miller was a player-manager they weren't looking that great. They started the season awfully and eventually within, what, a month of it, was it Kenny Miller was replaced by Holt when they were in, uh, was it, when they, well, they were near the bottom when Holt came in um, mm-hmm. and basically he turned the whole thing around. Now, I think part of that was because uh, they had a player like Dykes in who, you know, I think sort of was perfectly fitted for Livingston's style of play. I think Lyndon Dykes um, was a very go-to figure, and because of that, Livingston did quite well. They've missed him this year, terribly. Um, and I think that's why the season hasn't been as, as good as maybe Gary Holt was hoping. But, you know, Livingston are a small club. They've got one of the least um, least uh, favourable playing budgets in the league. You know, they, they are 10th. Um, it wasn't a complete disaster for a club like Livingston, but you know Gary Holt felt it was time to move on after a really poor spell of form, and he's not taking the decision lightly. But he just feels it's time for him to step away and, um, you know, maybe give someone else a chance. And you know, obviously, I think they've got this home t- tie against their United on Saturday. They're not in a desperate need to replace Holt straight away, um, but hopefully they get someone in that can steer Livingston to safety. But, you know, he's had a fantastic couple of seasons at Livingston and, you know, it's only been a little difficult start. I think I think, I think, he, I think he could have stayed. I think he could have went on and maybe at least steered Livingston to safety. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, gone are the days you get five or six years at a club. I think you need instant success or nothing. And, uh, you know, I think Colt's kind of suffered that even from a club like Livingston. He's suffered from that and he's decided to go. So it's, it's sad that he's left. But, um you know, it's a good bait. I think whoever comes in will have a strong squad. I mean, he is, he, I mean, he is a good manager, um, Matthew. And don't forget, at the beginning of the season, they could get a good point off of Rangers there. And um, if you remember that game, Rangers battered Livingston for the whole game. Uh, but Livingston defended well. So that was a good point in the end. Um, okay, that was at the begin, beginning of the season. But... Livingston, um, you know, the, the, well, most teams have struggled against Rangers so far, and uh, that was a good point for Livingston, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'll see Livingston at a sort of just a grade above maybe where Hamilton are. Hamilton obviously have the, probably the worst playing budget in the league, and they'll always struggle. Livingston aren't that far off that. I mean, their season ticket holder base can't be that large. Um, and except when Celtic Rangers, maybe Hibs and obviously Hearts were there, um, their I mean, their stands are basically mm. empty. Yeah. So for you know, so for Gary Holt to have come in, um, to have got hold of the reins, and to had you know a pretty fantastic couple of seasons um, at Livingston, you know, it, it's quite sad to see him go. But then he must. I think he himself felt that you know maybe he'd just done enough. There's there's been a few seasons now. He's he's maybe tired of that sort of battle, and, the, and maybe um, you know the the poor-ish start hasn't helped and he just feels maybe he just has to refresh himself somewhere else and maybe Livingston do as well. Um, I think the goalkeeper coach, Tony uh, Tony Cake, is going to um, come in on an interim basis and I think he'll be in charge for a while because Livingston don't seem to be in any rush to, no. to replace him. 
They've not but, got a big budget, Matthew. You know? No, no, no. Um, Are they have, yeah, I mean, they kind of, they, they're bargain basement in the sense that they look, they've got a good scouting network, they go around, they try and find players at a lower level. Lyndon Dykes is a perfect example of a player at a lower le- level who they've transformed into an international class player now. And yeah, that's kind of yeah. what Livingston do. Um, Livingston are good at that, but then when a player of that stature sadly goes, it is a big loss to them. And I think the loss to Dykes has affected Holt's uh, season this season so mm. far. Um, I don't think he needed to go. I think he was a good, like you said, he was a good manager. Um, <clears> but <throat> it's, it's a, it's well, it is what it is now. And Livingston now have to try and look on um, to try and find someone else who's to to continue. I would say to continue the good work that's been done over the past two years. It's been it's been a pr- pretty successful spell for Livingston on yeah, and off the yeah, pitch. Yeah. yeah. Okay, <clears throat> let's look at one of the games now, tomorrow night. Um, well, sorry, tomorrow before that. Um, Motherwell against Johnson. Um, they only played last week in, in a league game up at McDermott Park. The game finished uh, one each up there. And uh, they meet again for Park. But this is going to be a good game, Matthew. I mean, all these cup games, I mean, you, when you were reading them out there, I mean, normally when you have cup games, you might most of the time there's a favourite, a clear favourite, and then there's obviously the, the the sort of killer team that's going after them. But I must admit, apart from maybe Aloha Hearts, where you maybe expect Hearts to win, uh, Hibs Dundee, obviously, I would say like Motherwell St Johnson's a pretty tasty tie because I actually don't know how who's going to come up out on top of that one. Um, mm. It's a shame this game isn't on TV because mm. I, I can see Aberdeen, obviously, that's a TV game. I can see Aberdeen beating St. Martin. I would love to watch Motherwell St. Martin, uh, St. Johnson because it's very fascinating to see who will come out on top of that. I actually don't know. I think that's got the potential to be an old-style cup tie that could go all the way. Yeah, exactly. And don't, um, if you remember... Um, they don't have extra time um, in this league, in this round, I think. I think they go to penalties, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, you know, it's, it could get pretty tasty, that game, because I could see this game finishing on a draw and going in all the way. So, yeah, it could be a very interesting date for Park. Um, and St Mirren Aberdeen is another tasty game as well. well. Aberdeen are on a bit of a... They're, they're obviously third in the league, but their form's not been great. It's been pretty hot and cold. They've had issues with COVID. They've had issues uh, with injury. They've had issues with the under-21 team players not coming back because of COVID. And they, were disappointing. They, they were disappointing last week, Matthew. I blocked felt. Yeah, they never competed as much as... I think I <clears> thought before the game last week that Aberdeen um, would have been a test for Rangers and it proves otherwise... I think Aberdeen have to use this as a stepping stone to get back on some sort of consistency. Um, and I can see them doing it. They're, they're not a bad cup side. In fact, over the last few years, they've always been there or thereabouts to finals and semi-finals. So I can see them getting far in this tournament and I can see them going to um, St Martin and winning, to be perfectly honest. I think this will be the start of a little run for them because um, they need that they need that consistency. And St Martin, St. Martin are... are well, they're on threat of going down. Uh, they could do with a bit of a jolt themselves, but in a cup game, you don't want to be seeing Aberdeen coming down uh, to your home ground to play. So, oh, exactly. um, Also, two games on Sunday, just quickly, Celtic in Ross County, Falkirk meet Rangers. Both of them are on the TV and the game tomorrow night, St Mirren, Aberdeen at uh, uh, St Mirren Park or whatever they call it now. <laughs> it's, yeah, on, yeah. it's on the TV as well. well that's why I didn't say <clears> I said St Mirren's home ground because I don't know what it's yeah. called anymore. Yeah, <laughs> they, they change every five minutes, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, and scuff, so that's why I never say St. Mithen. So let, let's move on to. Uh, well, do you know what? Just quickly, I think yeah. you know the Rain, the Rangers, the Falkirk Rangers game will be interesting because even though I think Rangers are winning this and Rangers are playing well and they're consistent, the only p- pressure Rangers have at the moment is they've not won that first trophy yet under mm. Gerard, and that's the only pressure. Is like going to Falkirk, you'd expect them to win, but you think they're going to have to negotiate the pressure of winning that first trophy and that's the only thing that could come uh, from the game 
at the Falkirk Stadium is the pressure of getting closer to that first trophy under Gerrard. So that may be the only thing, but I would expect Rangers to win. Um, but, you know, the, the fact that they've played a lot of games, they've had a lot of internationals away, they might put a second string team out as well. You never know with Falkirk, but I'd expect mm. Rangers to win. And Celtic, I mean, that game is just a pressure cooker at Celtic mm. Park and something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I mean, normally I would expect Celtic to ring, ring the changes and put, you know, players in that aren't playing all the time. I don't know if Neil Lennon can um, do that this time because no matter what team he puts out, if Celtic lose this game against Ross County, he's had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. but, I, uh, but I do think what will happen is I think Celtic will win and what it will do is it will result in Neil Lennon staying a bit longer and it will mask all the problems that Celtic have. That would be my prediction as to what happens. I, I think that one's just a kind of what you would say a ticking time bomb here, you know. Yeah. Um, it's one of those games where you think if Celtic win, it's the worst thing that could happen to them. Because yeah. It'll mean, it'll mean that Lennon will stay longer. Exactly. Um, Scammy football, but women's football now. Um, the a date for your diary. Um, Glasgow City are playing Sparker Prague. Um, we've mentioned Sparker Prague t- twice in the show now, so that's um, ten pound. And uh, uh, Glasgow City are, are playing Sparker Prague in the last thirty-two of the Champions League, and the first game is away from home. Uh, so that come out in a few weeks' time. Also, uh, tonight after the show, you can switch us off at 7 o'clock and turn on BBC Alba because the uh, the big game for Scotland tonight, Scotland's women's team, in qualifying action, away to Portugal with a 7 o'clock kickoff. And just quickly, Mitch Trusky, they are home to Finland and uh, in the qualifying um, campaign. And also, um, Sherry Kerr, the Scotland manager, uh, won't be at tonight's game and won't be at Tuesday night's game because she will be self-isolating after coming close, uh, a close contact uh, sorry, say that again. Close contact <laughs> to somebody with the coronavirus, so she won't be there for the next two games. Do you think? Uh, do you think Glasgow City's coaching team will actually watch video of Sparta Prague and therefore make a plan as to how to play against them? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, Scotland, Scotland's a great one, though, because uh, I'll leave it at that before we go back. But um, I think, I think you know, Scotland, they have a chance to, you know, top Group E. I think if they win tonight and then they defeat the Finns, they'll go top of Group E um, and their chance to qualify for Euro 2022. Um, I think Scotland's women team has been pretty consistent over the last few years. So they have a, they have a really good chance. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to the game tonight. Yeah, yeah, no, it should be a good game. I mean, you you can keep indie life really going in the background and uh, for some blunt music and listen to <laughs> uh, them speaking in Gaelic on BBC Alba. That that should be fun. But yeah, good luck to uh, Scotland. But and hopefully, Sherry Care gets back to full health soon and, and all well, that. Glasgow, well, Glasgow City as well. Not only do they, I mean, we were saying that they have a real challenge in the league because. Like not only are they playing obviously in the Champions League and they're playing Sparta Prague, but you know Celtic are doing quite well in the women's game. I mean, even though Glasgow City have been one and two, you know Celtic. I think last week they beat Hibs six two in mm-hmm. Edinburgh, and before that they beat Hearts ten now. And I said ten now. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe the women's team should be playing in Europe and Skagen the men's team. And uh, <laughs> I think I think Neil Lennon would destroy them. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, don't don't forget that uh, Glasgow City uh, Scott Booth, the manager, he he's been doing well for them as well. Yeah, definitely. He's a he's a coach in the making. You never know. I mean, I wonder where he'll end up. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just what we were saying earlier, but uh, it's nice to see diversity. I mean, Scott Booth is in the women's game and Leanne Dempska is in the men's game running, <laughs> well, just could run one of the clubs, so it's good to see. 
Is it good to see diversity? Scott Booth, obviously, uh, an Edinburgh, uh, sorry, an Aberdeen type guy. It's good to see uh, Aber- Aberdonians getting around. <laughs> That's that shows yeah. decent diversity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so good luck for for Scotland tonight and Tuesday night as well, uh, and all that. Um, so we like to cover every sport here on on under live regular on a Friday night. We spoke about hockey last week, but you've got some. We've got some news on some hockey dates. Yeah, I mean, just before we move on to the hockey, um, there was one thing that we've we've not forgotten about, but we missed was Diego Maradona um, passing oh, yeah. away this yeah. week. So just before we move on to the hockey, he was obviously, I mean, he was just one of the best footballers um, ever. Um, Maybe not the best, but definitely up there with the best. I mean, he'll always be remembered by us Scots for his hand to God moment in Mexico. Mm. Um, but you know, the one that's the one that's always remembered. But he scored a second goal in that game, and it was one of the best goals that was ever seen in World Cup history. But everybody forgets about it because the hand of God takes over, uh, and everybody remem- remembers him for that. But in that game, he scored an absolute peach of a goal after a peach of a run, and. You know, that's kind of forgotten about. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I remember there was a moment, there was a moment when Scotland, he was the manager of Argentina for a very short period of time. And his first game was against Scotland. And Terry Butcher was obviously on the Scotland coaching staff then. And Terry Butcher was asked, are you going to shake Maradona's hand? And Terry Butcher said, no, I'm not going to shake his hand. He's a cheat. He scored with a hand to God. He knocked us out of the World Cup. I am not shaking his hand. He's just a cheat. And then they asked Maradona, are you going to shake Terry Butcher's hand? And Maradona said, who's Terry Butcher? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, but, you know, he, I mean, he's, he scored his first international goal as a wonder kid at Hampton, would you believe, in 1979. Um, and like I said, you know, three decades later, he, he took on the manager post for the first time, and it was at Hamden too. So he has a bit a good affinity with Scotland, and he likes he likes Scotland. He likes uh, he likes Celtic. I think I think during the crisis uh, in the Falkland Islands, he actually said that you know Celtic fans actually were were quite keen to support um, the Argentinians and and their sort of battle against oppression and uh, what was empirism. So he's he's got like an affinity with Scotland. So um, you know it's, it's sad that he's passed away, and he was just one of these people that you just loved to to listen to because he always had good stories. And I think another one was you know when he was talking about the World Cup, and I think an English news reporter had asked him, you know, how do you how do you feel about winning the game against us with a handball? Do you not feel bad for winning a game cheating? And he said, well. You guys have been going on about winning the World Cup for how many years? And that was one with a ball, a goal that wasn't over the line. Yeah, that's. <laughs> a, I mean, I mean, he always had a smile on his face as well um, when you saw him on the TV as well. But am I am I right in saying, Matthew, that he he, um, he had a short spell at a team in Argentina, uh, a league team? But was he not a manager there for a few months? He was, yeah. He had, he had a few. I mean, he, and it was a shame because obviously he's one of the best, and he could have been one of the best managers as well. But obviously there was a lot of um, a lot of demons in his and his history mm. as well. You know, whether it was, uh, well, I think it was drugs was his main downfall. Um, mm. So therefore, like every sort of legend, like George Best, there's always there's always something to these legends, and that was his. Uh, mm. He could have went on to be the best, one of the best coaches as well as being one of the best players of all time. Um, and it was a shame how it ended for him, but he was just mm. he was just a legend on and off the pitch, you know. I, th- I think even Oasis was it Liam and No Gallagher met him in a pub once, and they were saying, yeah. you know, they were there for a gig, and he was just surrounded by women, yeah. and they asked if they could meet him, and he said, yeah, yeah, you can meet me by all means, but don't look or touch my women. Yes, but no, that was sad when when the hair got new chest again and all that. So yeah, so that that's a great Malik. Maradona uh, plague it, plague in the blowing team Argentina. So yeah. So ice hockey Matthew. Um Yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to say that because I know we were getting sidetracked and things, but Maradona I think Yeah, I forgot he, that. He's just, so, yeah, he's that just one true. of the greatest. Um 
Now, last week we were talking about elite elite hockey uh, getting money from the government um, to possibly, number one, survive, but number two, to possibly start the season again early in 2021. But that was last week because things have transpired since then. Uh, elite league bosses now say that they cannot plan for an early start to 2021 because of certain discrepancies in funding for teams across the UK. Now, the elite league covers teams in England, Wales, Scotland and uh, the north of Ireland. They've got a team in Belfast. But the teams in England have currently got support from the UK government uh, through this fund, so that's true. But they've also given money to the devolved administration. So while the English teams have definitely got this money, uh, it's up to the devolved bodies in Wales, the north of Ireland and Scotland to decide if those teams will get the same funding. So, you know, Cardiff, the Cardiff Devils, the Belfast Giants, the Glasgow Clan, Dundee Stars and the Fife Flyers are the non-English teams that will have to wait to see if they can get uh, some of this funding that's been devolved to the governments. Um, so hopefully the Northern Ireland executive and the Scottish government will respond by giving those teams a similar sort of funding as, if, as the English teams have got. And therefore we might have ice hockey early on in 2021, fingers crossed. But, um, you know, the Elite League are waiting to get clarification from Belfast, Edinburgh and Cardiff as well, if that's the case. So we may well have uh, we may well have a hockey season eventually, but we're just waiting for further clarification on that. So we'll have to yeah. wait and see. Hopefully we'll have news. Hopefully, hopefully, because as I say, every other sport's coming back. So um, ice hockey is not any different. I think they're only... Um, I think I said last week on the show, the only sport that's not officially back yet is basketball. And I know that listening to that, an interview a couple of weeks ago with the chairman of the Rocks, uh, you know, the, the basketball team in Glasgow, that, that they are a bit annoyed because the, the government are not kind of, I don't want to say entertaining them, but they're not speaking to them about coming back. But it's good to see kind of ice hockey coming back as well. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these sports, you know, it's good that you brought up basketball and ice hockey. Similar. I mean, a lot of these sports require fans to come in, and that's mm. the because they don't have TV revenue, they either need guaranteed money from fans coming in the door, yeah. or they need government funding. And obviously, mm. ice hockey and basketball will be a similar thing because, uh, even, yeah. Sorry, go on. And, and no, no, and I was just going to say, yeah, they make funding, but also they make atmosphere as well, because it's the same way, like, when you're watching boxing, I know it's boxing, and millions of pounds, well, millions of thousands of pounds, actually, and they don't need the money, but the atmosphere is amazing at the boxing, even at football, or even at any, any kind of sport as well, so, yeah, but I know what you mean about basketball or ice hockey. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I know this this example was mainly about Scottish football doing it, but it has a knock-on effect to basketball and ice hockey in the sense that, you know, the SPFL did ask Nicola Sturgeon this week, you know, why football fans can't be going back in Scotland the way they are in England, because obviously England, they're saying that they can have up to 4,000 spectators coming back in areas that are not, you know, seriously affected by covid and obviously, ice hockey and basketball are, are waiting to see what Nicola Sturgeon's answer was. But, you know, Nicola Sturgeon obviously has said that, you know, while they can see why sport in general and football in this case are requesting an emergency meeting, mm. um, she obviously has to worry about the whole agenda in Scotland, not just about specific sports. So mm. to me, it sounds like she's a no speed to get mm. fans back into the stadiums and any mm. and you know for ice hockey and basketball the only way those two sports really are going to start up is if the Scottish government give funding to them to be able to do that and you know we just have to wait and see what the ice hockey case is but basketball will be a similar situation because I'm only assuming that basketball have also applied for some help in that regard. Yeah also just to um just to move on now to, to rugby, we seem to speak about rugby every week where games are on and off or, or off and on and off. Whatever. So Scotland went, were meant to play Fiji tomorrow in the Autumn Nations Cup. That game has been postponed uh, due to the coronavirus. 
Um, that game was at Murrayfield now, um, so I think that game will be played at a later date. Uh, the other games tomorrow, the, the games that are on, um, England is in Wales to, fun enough, play Wales, and um, France will play Italy um, tomorrow. Just a pity that the Scotland-Fiji game is off, so just a bit of rugby news. Uh, yeah, we have to wait another week, I think, because... Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, Scotland can't, Scotland will play on the 5th or 6th of December. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends how we play. Um, you know, I think there can be, I think there's, there can be progress to the final from Group B if Italy won in France against, well, in Paris, sorry, against France. So I very much doubt Italy will do that. But, you know, Scotland could qualify for, to the final from Pool B if Italy beat France, but again, which I doubt. But, you know, I... Townsend's men will face the pool A runners up in the third place playoff um, on the fifth or sixth of December um, if Italy do lose to France. So there's still at least one game to go on the fifth or sixth of December. So hopefully that goes ahead. Um, but also, you know, the Scottish Rugby Union are a bit worried because uh, they've said this week that because there's no fans in to what would have been the November sort of autumn internationals and there's obviously no fans in this time for this new tournament, uh, mm. Scotland Rugby could lose up to £18 million pounds by May yeah. um, if no fans are allowed back in for the Six Nations. So it just shows you that, you know, Scottish Rugby Union are quite good in trying to help clubs out. You know, mm. I know they've got a fund to help out the amateur clubs around the country, but £18 million pounds is a huge figure to lose if they can't get fans into that stadium. Mm. Um and it's mainly due to the lack of gate receipts for the rugby union. Yeah. Um, so. Um, oh, and quickly as well, there's there's uh, Pro 14 action this weekend. On Sunday, Cardiff play Glasgow uh, in, in Cardiff. And on Monday, Edinburgh play where I live at the moment. They play Ulster at Murrayfield. So Cardiff, Glasgow, really? Edinburgh, yeah. Ulster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what? And, you know, Edinburgh and Glasgow have had awful starts to the season. So we're just hoping that either Glasgow or Edinburgh, or fingers crossed both of them, can get off the mark with a win finally. Yeah. Um, and just before we go, Matthew, um, i like to do my wee jingle. Matthew's NFL Roundup. No, um, so... Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we need to get a real jingle for that. <laughs> yeah, I know. One, 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 one year, one year. Um, yeah, so... Um, what's been happening in the world of NFL? Well, before I go on to NFL, quickly, um, good luck to Wigan Warriors tonight. They're playing in the Rugby League Grand Final uh, against St Helens, our bitter enemies. So uh, good luck to the Wigan Warriors. We're, we're hoping and praying that Wigan win. Um, not that we're biased in this show. <laughs> um, <No. laughs> I'm assuming there's not many people from St Helens listening, so I can throw that out. Me? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you there'll be one. There'll be one person from yeah. Scotland that'll go, ah, that's it. <laughs> um, well, the NFL's an interesting one because last night there was games on because it was um, Thanksgiving in America. Really? Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, so there was meant to be games on last night. There was two. Uh, one of the shocks was uh, Washington. They shocked the Dallas Cowboys in Tal- Dallas by going there and winning couldn't believe it um, and it ruined my predictions because I had obviously I think everybody <laughs> had the Dallas Cowboys to win but Washington went there and absolutely destroyed them so it was a bit of a shock but the other one was uh, Baltimore Ravens were meant to play the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers but that game was called off because of COVID um, the Baltimore Ravens are having a real problem with COVID tests at the moment so that game was called off so that game will be played on Sunday now. So anyone look, looking for the Steelers-Ravens, that will be on Sunday instead. Uh, some of the games that we're looking forward to this week, Tennessee Titans are at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts are the better team right now. They're better defensively, off, off, offensively. So therefore, I think the Indianapolis Colts will uh, go on and win that game. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And as usual, because every week I mention Kansas City, and every week I say the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win. And the reason I do it is because it makes me look good, because Kansas City always wins, so I can my predictions always look good. Um, but the reason I do that is because of Patrick Mahomes uh, and the offence that Kansas City Chiefs have. Uh, they're just unbelievable. They find a way to score quickly. 
um, and defensively they can do it as well. So um, even though they're up against Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, and we all know what comes with Tom Brady, uh, I think the Kansas City Chiefs will win this football game. And lastly, we have Tom Brady's old team, the New England Patriots. They're playing the Arizona Cardinals. And oh, and this is a game I don't know because you just don't know which Arizona Cardinals and which New England Patriots are going to turn up. But mm. I'm going to go for the New England Patriots this week. Uh, I think Cam Newton uh, can get going, hopefully this week, in the running game can get going. Bill Belichick needs a win. And he normally wins when he has to win or finds a way to win when he's not expected to. And therefore, even though sort of my my heart or my head maybe says Arizona Cardinals, I think my heart says New England Patriots just because I think Bill Belichick will find a way um, to go with the Patriots. So I don't know. It's going to be a close one, but I think the Patriots might find a way to win. Mm. That's that's where I'll go with. Okay, so thanks for listening to the show. Busy, busy show out of time. We'll be back. I'm knackered, Michael. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm going for like Denny. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, I'm running up a sweat here. Um, so yeah, we will be back. We'll be back next week here on Indie Live Radio. You have been listening to the locker room with Michael and Matthew. Have a good weekend. See you soon.